podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Gosling wins it back in the Cherries midfield and now opportunities again for Bournemouth. Gosling goes himself. Oh, it's another cracker. Dan Gosling again. Second of the game and the best of the lot so far. A 25-yard strike on the hour puts the Cherries into clear water here against the Sky Blues. 3-1 up. Hello, good morning. Well, not weather-wise, is it? It's pretty disgusting out there. But nevertheless, we're here to bring some good vibes to your ears. My name's Sam Davis. This is episode 99 of Back of the Net. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you've had a good weekend. You probably have. I reckon you might have. It's been a weird weekend in football, but a good weekend for AFC Bournemouth. We won at St Andrews. Hopefully not the last time I'll be saying that this season, but it was a convincing 3-1 win against Coventry. And in this podcast, we've got an extended, extended match chat with Jeff Hayward. 55 minutes worth. That's what I'm talking about, eh? Now, if you're looking to listen and see some fan reactions after the game against the Sky Blues, I do invite you to go to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. As after the game, there was a 90 minute free for all. We got some new faces brilliant to chat to some legends by the way of Ethan Burney who is on and Vin as well young Cherries fans and if that's our future well I'm well excited because they are articulate well-spoken polite and raring to go plus of course some of the usual back of the net crew too so do check that out as well We've had nearly 3,000 views of that video over the weekend, so really impressed with that. But the floor is Jeff Hayward today as we go over that Coventry game and discuss how AFC Bournemouth have been so far. But first, let's do this. So in this week's Do You Remember... This is a difficult one because I'll level with you. I'm not actually sure I know the answer to this. At the end of the show, I'm going to say what I think is the answer. But you're welcome to prove me wrong, Okay. So, obviously, in the week, AFC Bournemouth announced the loan signing from Atletico Madrid of 20-year-old winger, our new star in the making, hopefully, Rodrigo Riquelme, the alliterative genius that's hopefully going to tear the championship apart. My question to you is, who was the last AFC Bournemouth signing that we made that played for the first team as well, who had an alliterative name? Difficult one, eh? Have a think. The first and last letter of their name starts the same. That's alliteration. If you go to Transfer Market, it will say Sam Surridge, okay? He came back from loan. That doesn't count as a signing. Also, when he moved from the under-21s into the first team, that also doesn't count as a new signing as well. So a player that came in, played for the first team, and had an alliterative name. I've got an idea of the answer. Feel free to prove me wrong. And all that is going to be at the end of the show. So in this podcast, we're keeping it really simple. It's just me, Jeff, and 55 minutes of delectable AFC Bournemouth chat after Cherries, well, we swept aside Coventry 3-1 at St Andrews.
Jeff, how are you doing today? <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What a weekend. It's been fantastic. It's been a good footballing weekend, hasn't it? Lots of you know different sorts of results. Even yesterday we were watching Manchester United capitulate at home and then you know Aston Villa scoring tons of goals against Liverpool. It's it's been a bizarre one, hasn't it? A bizarre one. Even in the championship, who would have seen that Brentford go 2-0 up at half time and end up losing 4-2 at home to Preston? It's bonkers. Football's <laughs> football's going crazy. And I just I just wonder what effect playing behind closed doors has the effect on the players because it seems to be we are seeing so many different results, ones that we wouldn't maybe have seen when fans were in the stadium. Yeah, very unpredictable. I'm not quite sure what the reasons are for it. It's um, it, it it's really tricky. Maybe maybe some players find it difficult to uh, stay focused on the game. I mean, so many goals and, you know, some of the goals, incredible defensive blunders. Um, would that happen with a with a crowd if they were more on it? I don't know. You know, it's it's a it's hugely enjoyable and entertaining. What can I say? And it was certainly enjoyable on Friday, wasn't it? As Bournemouth overturned Coventry City three uh, one at St Andrews, the what trillion trillion trophy stadium or something? Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's sarcasm or what, but either way, um, Bournemouth. Once again, travelled to St Andrews and got a convincing victory. But I've got to say, you know, at six forty-five when I saw the teams announced, I was I was really nervous. No Josh King on the bench, no Dan Juma starting. At that point, it made me instantly question the uh, you know the depth that Bournemouth might not have. Well, we had uh, no Stanislas either. David Brooks was only fit enough to be on the bench. Rodrigo, uh, Riquelme, the new signing that we were all looking forward to seeing, hadn't had his international clearance. So we only named six subs, which is a little bit of a concern. And uh, like like you, I was thinking, I hope this doesn't get a bit tricky because Dan Juma has been our star man. And... Um, yeah, they they were big shoes for Sam Surridge to fill. They were. Now I don't know about you, Jeff, but um, I you know I'm not one to pull a sickie, but uh, someone certain someone had a migraine on mm. the, during the day on Friday. Josh King couldn't play for AFC Bournemouth uh, given his conditions. Thoughts when you heard that? Um, when he wasn't in the actual lineup or on the bench. Um, I was nervous that he could be protecting himself, doing a bit of a Fraser, not wanting to play or get injured just in case he was due a medical somewhere else. Um, the fact that he said it was a migraine, Jason Tindall corroborated that story. So you got to, you got to take it at face value and think, yeah, you know, Kingy played last week. Give him the benefit of the doubt, but... Uh, I cannot wait for this transfer window to close because the the speculation, the uncertainty isn't helpful. And I, actually, I thought it was going to be detrimental to the team's performance because how, how are they feeling? You know, some of the players are, are not turning up or, or not wanting to be part of the squad. That, that could be affecting the, uh, the team on the pitch. Well, part of me thinks I was just sort of analysing it after the game. Maybe before the game, I was slightly worried. But afterwards, I thought, well, if they're going to come up with an excuse, surely they would come up with something better and more believable. Mm. They won't get the fans worried because a migraine sounds awful. 
it it sounds awful. And as someone said on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, Tommy Heffernan's poodle, it's something my wife would say at the end of the night, put it that way. And it's one of those things that you sort of look at it and think, well, surely he could have gone with the party line of he's got a knock. He got a you know, calf strain in training or something, you know, fairly believable, but a migraine, something you don't really think of. So maybe, just maybe, it was actually true. Maybe it was. We we cannot uh, speculate anymore until these next couple of weeks are out of the way. I mean, they've got international games coming up as well, and I'm sure Brooks wanted to play against England rather than risk causing himself any injury, perhaps. You know, I've... I don't know. Like I say, let's just let's just get our squad actually fixed for the season and carry on because we've got a lot to be encouraged about after Friday night. I tell you what, personally, I had a lot to be encouraged about. So did you, even before the game had started, when we're watching Sky Sports and they're mentioning back of the net. Jeff, did you hear that bit? I did. I nearly fell off my chair. Like, whoa! Where did that come that. from? Yeah. Um yeah, Caroline is uh, is obviously a big fan. I mean, it it it's great for the credibility of the the podcast that that we're being taken seriously by journalists and being quoted with credibility. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure it's, it was something you said, Sam. Nothing, nothing I said. I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to have to find that clip and I'm going to go back and see who said it, and then whoever whoever did say it, kudos to them but yeah you know what it was um really nice to get acknowledged in that way and it's it's so funny because i was watching on now tv which is 30 seconds ahead and i got this like you know textual flurry on my phone and uh i didn't look at it at the time but then i realized this is what it's going to be about now so back of the net got a mention and yeah she was alluding to our attacking options that we may not have in terms of our squad depth or something like that uh Simon Francis with his, uh, you know, was in the studio as well. And he was uh, another person that raised his eyebrows at Josh King's migraine. But nevertheless, when you saw the starting lineup that we had, Jeff, how did you feel? We were, pl- we were deploying that sort of 3-5-2 formation again, weren't we? Yeah, I, I think, I think Surridge uh, coming in for Dan Juma, it's not a straight swap. You know, Dan Juma was, was playing slightly off Solanke. So Solanke was, would be the furthest up forward. And it was that sort of, one just behind the the striker, so with Sam up there, it actually gave gave us a bit more of a a conventional three five two, I think, and and actually, um, I think it helped us. Uh, it certainly certainly the midfield performed as they did last week against Norwich, and um, I thought everyone from from back to front were outstanding on the night. Absolutely outstanding. One of the stats that was mentioned, either in commentary or by the pundits before the game, they compared the team's value, and I think it was ninety-two million pounds at that moment. That kind of put it into context for me, thinking we've got to win tonight, and not least the fact that only three months ago we were two divisions apart, and I think on AFC Bournemouth's part, we you know we still feel that relegation was unjust. Although, you know, we finished where we did, 18th. That's fair enough. We get relegated. And it felt as though uh, we had to win based on that stat and the fact that, yeah, we were so far apart. Yeah, we've got 
we've got a Premier League squad, no doubt about it. And you look at that squad in the Championship and you think that is by far and away the best, best, most talented, technically skillful players that there are, they, that one team can put out in the Championship. I haven't seen anything from any of the other sides that, that is anywhere near as good as what, what our players can do. The, 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 the difficulty for us has been over the last season and a half, really, last couple of seasons that Eddie was in charge, was getting that consistency of performance week in, week out to prove that actually we are as good as we know we are. I mean, that, that, that team, the bulk of that team, beat Everton 3-1 away and Leicester 4-1 at home in the last few yeah. games of the season. We know that That is comfortable mid-table Premier League form. So here we are in the Championship. What the players have to do, and I think Friday night was a step towards that, is actually recognise that you may be 90 million quid more valuable than the other team, but it, it, it's meaningless unless you actually put it in on the pitch every week, get the results and prove it. And what was so refreshing about Friday, from the first minute, we were in Coventry's faces and... It was it was just brilliant to watch that that we went out to dominate them. We've adopted this high press, haven't we? Which I think has been really refreshing to see. Jefferson Lerma is out of the three midfielders, pushing really high. He gives us something extra, and we managed to pen Coventry in and move the ball really sharply. I thought in the first stages of that first half. Well, actually, throughout the first half, to be honest, but especially in the first spell that led up to the goal I thought uh, we showed really good signs there was a moment on six minutes where Rico I think he's brilliant at doing this firing low concise balls forward up the pitch that get controlled by the striker or he put someone in on goal and it was Solanke that the ball met at that time poor control though up front let him down at the time but then moments later on seven minutes, a combination of Cookie, you know, Dan Gosling pirouetting as if he's Maradona, yeah. Don Solanke holding it up, and that perfectly weighted pass back to Jefferson Lerma hanging around on the edge of the box to fire with his instep into the low bottom right hand corner past the diving keeper. 1 0 to Bournemouth. Well deserved, but some incredible football in that first seven, eight minutes, oh. wasn't it? It was absolutely beautiful to watch the 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 crispness of the passing, the aggression with the pressing. We we won the ball back so many times in their half. I mean, they couldn't get out. We were we were that good. And when we got the ball, I thought Adam Smith and Jack Stacey. I mean, throughout the night, they were brilliant at, at creating those overlaps. Um, Lewis Cook was fantastic as that sort of holding midfield player, but then releasing Gosling and, and Lerma in front of him. I mean, it, it was just. We were so on it. And that goal, it was so reminiscent of uh, the goal against Blackburn where um, just teeing it up for, for Lerma Solanke to, to Lerma again. What a finish. And Jefferson Lerma, what a revelation. I do think um, with the 3-4-3 the, or 3-5-2, or whenever we played that in the Premier League, it was completely a defensive set up a defensive mindset so what would often happen would we would be we'd end up with eight nine players behind the ball in our half never getting out of a half trying to hit teams on the break and obviously not being very successful at doing that because all the players were always trapped so far back what we're doing on this time 
It's that 3-5-2 or 3-4-3. We're winning the ball in the opposition half, playing on the front foot. And, and, it, and it's just killing other teams because technically our players are so good. Yeah, and I found myself <laughs> just watching. I mean, Coventry, you adopted a four, uh, a sort of three, four, three as well. But you know, by the looks of it, you know that formation. That well, they've played that for a number of times, but they sort of adapted it during the game. But I don't think they were technically good enough to uh, actually deploy that when you've got the pressing prowess that we have, and we were doing it so often, and they were making mistakes, and we were and we were recycling the ball really quickly, and that first goal always testament to that and we had a number of chances throughout the game that were very similar whereby they were making mistakes almost like man united against spurs yesterday jeff when we watched that and man united were trying to do the impossible well actually not the impossible but they just weren't good enough but it was it was really good to see bournemouth with that high press and it it paid its dividends early on and question for you friend of the show dan gosling that pirouette that he did do you think he meant oh, it? It was it was totally missed by commentary. Um, but actually, you watch it and you think, yeah, yeah, he meant that. <laughs> he meant that. I mean, it was a lovely touch, a lovely touch for Solanke, wasn't it? And and um, just just beautiful. If that if if that's Brazil, we're talking about it for years. In fact, we're Bournemouth fans. We'll talk about that for years. I'm sure. Of course we will. We we indulge in any positivity here <laughs> in uh, in Bournemouth. Now at that stage, one 0 up, we were having the bulk of possession. I think uh, during the match itself, we had sixty three percent possession, and most of that. I mean, in the first half, I I felt we completely dominated and had a number of chances. But I do feel as though. We weren't clinical as we should have been. And it, it, it should have been more comfortable after 45 minutes than what it was, hey? Yeah, we should have been uh, two or three up, I think. Um, and so we're not 100% there with this system. Um, it, it relies on uh, the wingbacks. It relies a lot on Stacey and Smith being able to have that energy to get forward and back and support support the back three where they need to, but provide that attacking width uh, and get good crosses in. It also relies on the strikers scoring goals. And I think um, we, we're kind of creating lots of chance. I mean, we created 19 efforts on goal in that game, which is the most that we've created for a long time. And, Solanke and Surridge, they both had good chances. They both got close, uh, but not quite there yet. And I think if those two, and obviously with Dan Juma back inside, can can score goals, you know, if we can get a 20-goal a season out of one of those, uh, and the, the, the midfield, Gosling, Lerma, basically continue to, to score as they have been, get maybe 10 or 15 you know we're 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 sorted for the season, but it does rely on um, the strikers need to be more clinical. I'm sure it will come. You know we're not we're not the finished article yet, but um, that is essential going forwards. It is, and 
There were a number of chances that we had. Coventry manufactured a few. There was a Hamer low strike that Begovic saved low to his right-hand post, which uh, was the first thing he really had to do. But what was quite nice is that even though he was pretty much unused and unneeded in that first 14, 15 minutes, when he was called, he saved really well. Strong palm out for a corner. And, you know, there were a few moments after that where Bournemouth really should have you know, I mean, there was that Smith Gosling Surridge pinball moment where that sort of reminded yeah. me actually of the um, the melee at Brighton when Callum Wilson scored the the scruffiest Premier League goal ever in yeah. our in our two two there uh, a couple of seasons ago, and it seemed to sort of you know ebb and flow. Hamer had a strike over the bar that came from a bit of a poor hold up play. I think actually Dom Solanke lost it. He, he sort of did the hard bit and then he gave it away and then Hamer had a strike over the bar and then uh, you know there were a number of chances Dom Solanke should have maybe made it two when he rounded the keeper after that superb Sam Surridge flick. But there wasn't much he did wrong there, though, was there? Because he rounded the keeper. There wasn't much he could do, given the fact the defender was coming in, although you may not say... Mm, well, uh, so um, that reminded me a bit of... Um, so Callum Wilson, when he was in his prime, uh, that season that we went up to uh, the Premier League and we got that result against Brighton, he scored when one you way. Say, when you say he's in his prime, you're talking about now at Newcastle? No, 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 no. God, no. Look, okay. crikey. Two we'll of them are penal- penalties, mate. Come on. Exactly. It doesn't count. Go doesn't on. Count. Oh, and two of them have been tappings. Come on. <laughs> Even Callum can't miss those. <laughs> but when it, when we played Brighton and we had that must-win game where Jan Kermick had scored that worldie free kick a few seasons ago, but Callum, Callum did something where uh, he, he dummies the keeper to shoot with his right and actually chipped in with his left. And I, I think that that is that cool clinical finishing of a top top striker when Solanke knows that that is the only thing that the defender is going to do you have to check back on from your left onto your right there and the absolute best i mean that we're talking the absolute best strikers will have that cold blood in their veins that they will think i can see what the defender is going to do and it actually I need to check back and shoot. It, it's not easy. It's it's a natural thing that some strikers have or you have to work at it. And I think that's where Solanke just needs to get more ruthless, more clinical, more more actually, yeah, just more Wilson-esque in his finishing. In well, his prime. Yeah, there was a goal that Man United, uh, Marcus Rashford scored against Brighton the other week that was very similar, whereby he was going to take it with his right, turn back onto his left. And although with Callum, it was yeah maybe slightly different, but it was one of those moments. And Mark Pugh was the god yeah. at watching a defender and sit. You know, Cresswell is still sliding now from that four three victory where he, <laughs> yeah. he chopped him and he you know put it across the keeper to make it three two to Bournemouth. And it's one of those things you just need to have a little bit of nous and you need to know that that there is an oncoming defender and. You know, it's one of the things he was slightly off balance. He felt maybe he should just shoot then. I've seen other goals where they've kind of almost put it behind the defender as they're sliding in. But the angle was very tight. Um, One thing I've got to say, Jeff, during that first half, one thing that we haven't said so far is that the referee, he's that Australian guy that's been featured on YouTube with the whole mic'd up thing where he, he chats to the players and he's a very... 
He's a very communicative referee. He's very good with, uh, you know, speaking with the players, liaising with them and just, you know, getting the respect of the players by just constantly talking to them. Now, obviously, we didn't hear that during the game, but from what I saw, he was making, he was letting the game run on. He was playing the advantage as many times as he could. There were challenges, crunching challenges that in the Premier League that would probably be the ref would blow the whistle. This match, not at all. And it was an enjoyable game to watch. And I know I'm a Bournemouth fan and I'm biased, but I'm sure for a neutral to see that kind of absorbing action where there's not the whistle going every two minutes, it must have been actually quite nice to see. Yeah, I think he's he's been the best referee that I've seen in the four games so far. He did let the game flow, which was really good. However, I mean, I did think it was a really soft penalty. I think Lewis Cook was kind of done a bit by the, the commentary player throwing himself to the ground a bit. Um, but and, and commentary did deserve to be going in at 1-1 at all. I mean, we should have been out of sight two or three up already. But... Uh, that gave them a bit of a lifeline. And uh, I think also it's sort of slightly reminiscent of how we played against Middlesbrough. You know, we go a goal up. We do tend to just let the other team play a bit more, have a bit more of the ball. We sort of switch off a little bit, get a little bit complacent, get a bit deeper, because the only way that they got forward was because we we stepped off the gas. And I think I think that, that sort of invites the other team on to us. That they create a couple of chances, as you rightly pointed out. And um okay, you know, they never looked like they were gonna score, they get a penalty and bang, it's one one. And at half time, you're thinking, Oh god, not another one of these games where where we end up dropping points because we're not ruthless enough. Yeah, and there was a there was a chance just before that that signalled what they could do with uh a long ball that was controlled very nicely down the left flank and he squared it low and it met O'Hare who turned his body, it, it, it fell for him and he just slide ruled it across and it just hit the outside of the post and it just went wide and you know it didn't really trouble Begovic but the writing was on the wall somewhat and I I messaged a number of people saying look this, you know, this is so Bournemouth if we do concede now and when you're dominating a match with possession and passing it doesn't matter so much when you're in the lead but you're always walking that tightrope, aren't you? And as the game went on, Coventry looked like they did have moments within them to actually pull one back. And just a, like a menial moment, Lewis Cook, you know, some people saying that it wasn't a penalty. It, it probably was on balance because he kind of went in a little bit recklessly. But all of a sudden it's one all. And you just think, how, the, how on earth, how on earth has this happened? But thankfully, thankfully, we managed to turn it around. Yeah, I um, I am impressed with the halftime team talks that Jason seems to be giving because they are getting uh, results, immediate results. I mean, they came out at the start of that second half and it was like the players' ears were still burning uh, from whatever they were told because, boy, did we go for commentary and... That is absolutely the attitude we need to have against teams like Coventry, where the gulf in technical class is so vast. We need to make sure that we're getting that two or three goal lead that, that actually our merit deserves. And we should have 
after you know 48 minutes three minutes after half time we we should have been two one up it was a Jeff Lerma ball through to Solanke who then fed Gosling who I mean he leant back and he just blazed it over the bar and it was another missed opportunity but thankfully Gozzo stepped up when it was needed but you know even first five minutes of the second half I'm thinking oh my god is this, is this really happening again because it's such a bummer thing to do to dominate teams completely and yet not win a game was it worrying for you? It it was a bit, particularly after after he, he blazed that one over, and um, it it what was just reassuring is the players weren't uh, demotivated by that at all, and in fact it was almost a carbon copy where ball gets threaded through to to Stacey, he crosses, Solanke has the first shot, breaks for for Gosling, and a nice clipped finish with his left foot. Um, I mean, it was it was what we deserved. We were totally, we were all over them. And again, that goal comes from winning the ball back in their half. Some real quality attacking play using the wing backs. You know, the first goal comes from Adam Smith's side, second goal from Stacey's side. It was just, it was brilliant. That's that's how we're going to tear teams apart in this division. And it's nice to see the intensity because there's, you know, a moment, if you pause it when the Coventry player loses the ball initially, you think to yourself, well, Lewis Cook's quite a way away from this. There's no way he's going to win that. And it's, you know, to all intents and purposes, the commentary players should be picking that up and then, you know, moving forward with it. But, you know, it just showed, I mean, Lewis Cook was, you know, just, he had his eyes on the ball, played that wonderful uh, you know, pass out to the right. And yeah, it was a good finish from uh, from Dan Gosling, I think. Just lofted it slightly above the keeper. The defender got a touch on it, but it didn't really make a difference. And, from that point forward, I then felt confident again. And I didn't feel as though commentary were going to get back into it. And, you know, Sam Surridge, he had a great header only moments later where he, there, I think he, he almost generated the power all himself from this header. The keeper had a, you know, wonderful save to palm it wide. But um, again, another chance that I just wanted to see us take. But it's good to see us at least creating these opportunities whereby... Yeah. Do you remember last season whereby we didn't have an attacking threat whatsoever? Yeah. And it, it wasn't even as if we could blame Callum or whoever was up front at the time for not taking the opportunities because they just weren't there. But now they are and we're getting in the positions, albeit they're not being converted as much as we should. But it's happening. Yeah. And I, I think one of the big differences between us this season and last season was um, we had a style of play last season it served us really well for four or five seasons and it was that sort of 4-4-2 inverted wingers that's how we play and what we tried to do last season was play that way without necessarily having the players who were suited to that system and I think that's why we came unstuck you look at it now and you think whoa playing Jefferson Lerma as an attacking midfield player playing Lewis Cook as that sort of holding midfield player Playing three at the back with um, those sort the Stacey Smith combination on the wings is, is it's just liberating for the the team. You know they they all feel comfortable. It seems to me playing that way in a way that last season we absolutely did not look comfortable at all playing that four four two. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting difference, and I think you can see the belief coursing through the players as they see, yeah, you know, we we this suits us. Mm. And on sixty minutes, Dan Gosling, Jeff, was on a hat trick. 
what a, a, a great inception by Rico where he just put his body on the line and you know Gosling won the ball in the middle of the park he I, I don't know what you know the Coventry midfielder just you know ducked out that challenge with Dan Gosling who managed to easily turn him and then he had a few steps to hone in on goal he could have he could have spread it one way or the other but just thought why not and when it hit the back of the net how did you feel I love those shots that seem to accelerate as they still hit the back of the net. I mean, that was just, <laughs> yeah. just an absolute peach of a strike. And, I mean, yeah, another fantastic, fantastic goal. I can't remember Dan Gosling scoring a 25-yarder like that for us in all the time he's been with us. Yeah, I don't think he scored outside the box, has he? I don't think so. I mean, he, the, the first goal he scored is typical Gosling. You know, that, that kind of arriving late in the box, just getting a toe on it or hitting it, but from within the 18-yard box where he arrives late and, and might might strike it. But I've never seen him do that. Simon Francis <laughs> saying, oh, he does that in training. What? what? <laughs> we haven't seen it. Yeah. I, 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 never, never. And um, But what a strike. And if he can do that, um, I mean, with Lerma and Gosling being able to hit the ball like that, we've got some threat from midfield, haven't we? Now, you mentioned Simon Francis saying that he does that in training. Do you think playing behind closed doors almost liberates some players like perhaps it wouldn't do in front of however many thousand fans that would be watching in the stadium? Because we've all seen this renaissance of Dom Solanke. We're seeing Dan Gosling. I mean, to be fair, he he wasn't ever a player that was struggling on confidence, but you see him trying things like shooting for 25 yards. Do you think for some players, it's actually a benefit to be playing in front of no one? Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe he thought it was a training session. That's why he did it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but, you know, if it, hey, what works? And it was absolutely belting to see that go in. Um, Just, just, Phenomenal strike. And I so wish that he'd got his hat-trick. You know, I mean, he, he talked after the game about missing the the one previously with his right foot over the bar and that, that goal-man scramble. I mean, he was in there for that. So he could have, Gosling could have had a hat-trick. It was, yeah. I mean, we, we should have won that game four or five even more, shouldn't we? Don't you think? I did. And Coventry, oh, you know, they'll be all right this season, but... How much do we even read into this? Is it is it a good gauge to, you know, because there's people saying HMS pissed the league, we're going to dominate the championship. But Coventry, I don't think, are the best gauge to uh, read that off because I didn't think that they were that good. They had moments, but in general, I thought they were quite poor. Yeah, they uh, their first game, they beat uh, QPR, didn't they? 3-2. And... Uh, or actually, that was the second. The first one, they lost narrowly to Bristol City. So, yeah, having seen some of the sides playing in the, the championship, not all of them, but some of them, I mean, there, there doesn't seem to be, I don't want this to sound disrespectful, but there's not a great amount of quality in the division so far. And... Blackburn have had a couple of good results after we beat them 3-2. And if you watch that game that we beat them 3-2, arguably we gave them a, a soft goal, the first one, and we should have scored more than three. So you sort of feel, well, if they're one of the better sides in Norwich and not getting results and they're supposed to be one of the better sides, you know, 
where where are the the real sort of big challenges for us going to come? Probably we need to play uh, Bristol City or Reading. I think I think Cardiff and Wales will probably be a test for us to see where we're at, which we've got coming up quite soon. Swansea maybe because they were in the playoffs. Brentford who got hammered by Preston. I mean, it's early days, but we we are we are showing really good quality, and that's very encouraging. We are beating teams that have since done quite well, which again is really encouraging. So yeah, let's just keep it going, see how far we can go. Now, I spoke of these crunching challenges that were coming in and Bournemouth weren't afraid to apply a number of them. I think Lewis Cook put in a few crunches in the first half. And and then, you know, in the second half on 65 minutes, there were there was a moment where Coventry looked like they were breaking and everyone <laughs> tried to put in a challenge. I think uh, Lerma had a go and Adam Smith did. And in the end, it was a Coventry player that was sent off by the way of Hamer. But what one thing I didn't realise afterwards is that it looked like, I don't know if you saw this, that he, it looked like he spat at Steve Cook. Did you see any of that? I saw him mouth something at Steve Cook. I didn't see any spit going in Steve Cook's direction, in which case, you know, Cookie was right to uh, to push him. Um, mm. But, you know, like soft sending off. If that had happened to one of our players, he'd be like really sent off for that. And in fact, uh, Martial got sent off for, for an even weaker sort of tap on someone's face uh, in the, in the yeah. United Tottenham game. Uh, okay you know it's the law uh i would say that smith and the coventry uh wing back had a bit of a a physical contest going on all the time there was no doubt that adam smith was going to take him out (laughs) when he was running back and actually he got more of the ball than i thought he'd get it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a that bad a foul so why they got all upset about it is over overreacting in the first place, but Steve Cook, what professional to get the player sent off? Yeah, and but I mean, he could have gone down when that face, that slap was on his face, but he decided not to. He just looked at him with almost disgust, and a lot of Premier League players would be very quick to hit the deck. I mean, you know, we saw that in Sunday's mm. games. So yeah. um, he didn't go all Premier League about it, and he didn't go down holding his noggin. He, he you know, but at that point, six to five minutes. 11 versus 10, we were basically going through the motions then, weren't we? And, you know, we had chances where we could have made it even more comfortable. Sam Surridge had a chance and, you know, there were others I could think of. But at that point, I just wasn't worried at all, were you? No, we, ju- we just sort of played played out the game. And in fact, it, it sort of, that that uh, sending off made it less of a contest, easier, easier for us to keep the ball and, and we just sort of settled for the 3-1, I think, rather than really went for it, uh, which is fine. You know, we were never in any danger. And 3-1 away is, um, you know, a, a, a great a great win. Very encouraging. Not the perfect performance, but really, really positive, good signs. So a few things I want to broach with you. Well, you know, Lewis Cook. Um, I thought he had a very good game, but I felt at half time looking on Twitter, there were a number of people that were quick to praise Lewis and quick to diss players like Dom Solanke. Now, in my mind, I think Lewis had a pretty good first half. 
he had a good second half as well. But there were a number of times I I saw that Lewis gave it away in situations where it, we were in like easy possession at that time, and he just tries to play these balls that are overly clever and they get cut out, and it it could have resulted in something bad. It didn't. I find that sometimes some players tend to get away with mistakes more than others. Dom Solanke, he seemed to get a lot of stick on Twitter for the mistakes that he made in terms of holding up. And yeah, maybe his last touch wasn't that great. What was your analysis on those two players' performances? Because I've got to say that there are some people that say that Lewis had a brilliant game and other people say that, you know, Solanke was one of our poorest. I think just as a, a team... We're not the finished article by a long way. And I mentioned earlier about we need the strikers to score goals. And I do think that um, whoever plays up front with Danjuma or Surridge, it's going to be Solanke's first choice, um, depending on what happens to Josh King. But he's been given the chance to lead the line. I actually think he's doing a pretty decent job in connecting the play. I mean, that layoff for Lerma was yeah. very good. The, okay, you know, maybe he should have he should have scored before Gosling did, but, you know, he's getting in those areas. He's making some good runs. He's doing, he's doing okay. And I would say on Friday night, it was a decent 7 out of 10 performance. I think Lewis Cook, again, he's playing a new role. And I remember it games from last season, you know, do you remember that Liverpool game where he gave the ball away trying to be too clever in midfield and they they scored? Um, And you just think, you know, he does have that that mistake in him. We do, we're likely to get away with it more just because of the lower quality in the Championship. And we did a little bit on Friday night, but again, it was a decent seven, uh, seven out of 10, eight out of 10 performance. I actually thought he got better as the game went on. Yeah. And in fact, the team got better as as we went on. And I do think that um, we, we sort of have an expectation as fans that we're going to be brilliant and and we're going to everything is going to be perfect. Well, that ain't football, you know. Right. It's very rare that you get that sort of Germany Brazil semi final <laughs> in the World Cup sort of performance, isn't it? You know, um, hey, last time we went to St Andrews and we win eight goals to nil, you know, that's that's. That that happens once in maybe five or six years. I think we've got it in us to do that sort of performance, and and maybe we should have won five or six one on Friday night. We didn't, you know. There's still work to go, but I th- I think you know we just got to be a little bit patient as well. It's a new system; they're getting better at it. We will continue to get better at it. And also, Jeff, no Dan Juma, no King, no Stanislas, no Raquel May. I mean. That's not a bad result, is it? 3-1, where we could have won 6-1, maybe 7-1, yet we've got some of our star performers that are just left either injured or sat on the bench. No Brooks, he wasn't even used. You know, come on. It's a you know, it's a positive victory, isn't it? Uh, I cannot wait for the next game. I cannot flipping wait for QPR to see how we take that on and play against play against them because you know we the what I'm really looking forward to is is more goals because it was entertaining and and as Bournemouth fans you know we've missed that for about the last season and a half we've had sort of odd games that have stood out but but that 
that was a performance that really felt like a like the whole team were playing with great positivity, great enjoyment, great intensity, all those things that we got to know and love as we rose up the divisions. That felt like our old Bournemouth a bit. And I want to see more of that. I think we all want more of that and can't wait for the next game because I think I, I feel at the moment, you know, we could we could we could we could be the invincibles this season with the golfing <laughs> class is that flipping big. I mean, sorry to go over the top, but you know, come on. Where is anything well, to scare us in this division? Well, you could be right. One of the uh, one of the things you didn't hear, Jeff, was that when you were you know going on your monologue there, I I rubbed my hands together, but I muted my mic. And when I rub my hands together, that means I'm really excited. And when you talk about Q, Queens Park Rangers, it it's a rare thing that that I can be excited about a Bournemouth game. Uh, well, especially during the last uh, stage of the Premier League. But now I'm 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 really excited by it. And you know what? When was the last time, Jeff, as a Bournemouth fan? that we had high expectations from a season because I'm not too sure. Genuinely, I'm not sure when I can look back and think, you know what, we should be smashing this league this season. This is the only time I can think of in my supporting history where we think we need to be finishing at a particular level. Yeah, I think there were times... In the in the championship season, after the first few games, where we realised actually we're really good this season, and and you know that was a that was a that was a really tough battle to win the title off against Watford and Norwich, but we did it, and that was great. Now, I I think I tell you what, it's a whole lot better than thinking you know what we could get forty five points this season. You know, I'm I'm. I'm thinking. I'm doing the maths, thinking. Well, if we got, if we got ten points off our first four games, what's that? You know, we should be. Where are we gonna? Where are we gonna be? You know, we're gonna be. We could get the century of points, couldn't we? This season, that that feels like a target. You know, it's it's much nicer than thinking we're gonna win ten games in a season as well. It is, and you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about, but also in the same breath. That wasn't the perfect performance. And there's still the, you know, a lot that we can give. But there were different elements of the performance that are worthy of discussion. One of the things we haven't discussed yet is the, you know, the overlapping fullbacks with, oh. with Chris Meppham oh. ending up in the right hand flank during a number of occasions during that game. What was that all about? Uh, and Jack Simpson put in a cracking cross towards the end, didn't he? You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're like Sheffield United on speed. That was great. <laughs> it was great, and uh, and that uh, also that lovely that lovely uh, sort of drag back that Adam Smith did mm. when in the sort of ninetieth minute or wherever it was. You know, they're, they're doing that because they're full of confidence and enjoying it. And I think the confidence when you realise that the opposition haven't got anything, you know that that Mepham and. and uh, um, and Simpson could do that and do those overlaps it was just great. I mean, Chris Beppham probably needs to work on it a bit because he gave the ball away a few times when he tried to nutmeg the right back. And yeah, you're not quite there, Chris, but it's it's really encouraging. And it it goes to show that uh, this is this is our version of total football. And 
I think a certain Keith Thomas pointed out the other day, the similarities that we've got with, with the, I mean, this sounds terribly pompous, right? But the Dutch team from the seventies, <laughs> the Johan Cruyff and Johan Neskins and all those guys. I mean, the, the similarity is that every one of our players is comfortable on the ball. Yeah. And, and there's one thing to be like that in training, another to play like that on the pitch and not get caught out. And I think we're, we're getting to that point where everybody feels they can do it. They can play with utter confidence and belief and just just be encouraged to go out and play. And it's 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 joyful. It's refreshing. Love it. More. <laughs> More. And I you know what? I posted a message on the AFC Bournemouth uh, Facebook account after they put a, a status update celebrating our three one win. And I'll I'll read you exact the exact words that I said. I said, aside from the result which is obviously great. Tonight was a great chance to enjoy football. No VAR. The ref let the game flow and tried to play the advantage. There were some old-fashioned crunching challenges without officials blowing every two minutes. There were goals with no nervous celebrations. It was bliss. I went on to say, it's ironic that the division we're striving to get back into is the polar opposite of what we've experienced tonight. And I said, as ever... The journey is better than the destination. And nights like Friday night, they need to be savoured, don't they, Jeff? Totally right. Totally right. And I think we can look forward to many more nights that we can savour this season because this is this is a team that I think all Bournemouth fans could get behind and be enthusiastic about. And I think, yeah, we're doing it, watching it on TV or laptops or whatever, but we can we can get behind the side. And when we do get back into stadiums hopefully there'll still be some games left that we can really enjoy and get a promotion season that we can all feel part of and I think that'll be great just before we close off Jeff I've had this discussion with a few friends over whatsapp if we get promoted how will this make you feel about Eddie because for me I'll almost feel a bit I feel slightly weird about it. Like the success that we've experienced under Eddie is maybe not just down to him. <laughs> maybe maybe JT had more of an influence than we ever thought. We don't quite know. But you just think with the players that we've got in the situation that we're in. I mean, this is early days. We're four games in. We're third in the league. There's a long way to go. There's, you know you know 10 times the amount of games that we've played already to actually you know settle this thing but if we do finish up in the promotion spots it would be testament to JT for overcoming what is a very difficult situation not with coronavirus with uh you know the players that we've lost and playing a new system and we got promoted under that and you're kind of thinking well is JT better mm-hmm. <laughs> Early days. It is early days. I think the reappraisal, we all know what Eddie achieved and it, it it was, it is a miracle what he did. It's a different chapter of our history. What I'm really impressed by is the reappraisal that, that I think we, we owe Jason Tyndall already by thinking, I mean, we talked about this, didn't we? The different direction. I think we can see the different direction that he's taken the team. It is a different setup. We are playing differently and it seems to be working. And I think we had a lot of us were kind of like, yeah, well, he'll just copy what Eddie did and it'll be the same old, same old, won't be any change. And actually it does feel different. I think 
every manager has a shelf life with a club. You know, you can. There are very few Alex Ferguson being one of them who can, you know, outlive a generation and still be winning things. Eddie, I think, just got to the end of his of his time span with us. You know, he wasn't enjoying it. He wasn't. He wasn't as. Um, he just. He just seemed to have lost his his specialness in that final season a bit. Whereas I think JT has looked at it and thought, you know what, we are going to be more flexible and fluid and I am going to redo things, reorganise things for the players. And maybe doing it in the Championship helps because the quality isn't that great. So you can try things out and not get punished as as much as you would do in the Premier League. And maybe it has helped us to go down the division. Mm to get things sorted out and going in the right direction because I mean imagine imagine if we play like play that setup for the first four games in the Premier League and we were playing Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham or Arsenal, we lose all four and get hammered, you know, we you would be under immediate pressure to get points and shut up shop or try to. So there there are lots of things that are different and I actually feel that it's working in our favour to play this championship season, to yeah. get things back on track. And when we do go back up, not if, when, um, <laughs> I, th- I think it will be it will be really interesting to see how this group of players and this this way of playing actually translates back into the Premier League and whether whether it will work or not. I mean, let's just enjoy it for what it is, eh? He. He knows he's got a point to prove, and he knows that there are some Bournemouth fans that maybe you know were nonplussed about his appointment. So he's he's got his own personal battles and trying to win over the supporters. But we you know we're not in the stadium to give him grief or to you know to praise him, and he hasn't got really much to to you know suggest what Bournemouth fans feel about him. But he'll know that three wins out of four is a very solid start, and. In terms of fans not being in the stadium, you know, we've mentioned this before, that, that could be a good thing for Bournemouth's you know, yeah. potential promotion, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be. I think, I think the real test will come when we go a goal down because we've, we've led every single game so yeah, far. So if we, go, if we go a goal down and then a team puts 10 players behind the ball, then let's see whether we can get back on terms. And I think that will be the real test, whether that comes against a, a Bristol City or maybe it'll come against, you know, side like lots of good mid-table sides, competitive mid-table sides. You know, we, we, we may find out sooner rather than later how good we really are when we're, when we're challenged. And, and it's all gone in JT's favour at the moment. So yeah. jury's still out, doing well so far, but we've still got a long way to go. A few points to wrap up on then. Did you see the video on AFCB TV where they were training? It was Raquel May's first session. And <laughs> I said on a forum post on Vital's forum, I've never seen so much cohesiveness and happiness within the AFC Bournemouth training environment. Everyone seemed so chirpy. There just seemed to be a good vibe that emanated from those players. I don't know if you saw that, and I don't know whether I'm reading into it too much. I know they're trying to capture the good moments on AFCB TV, but for me, it seemed like there's been the one of the best environments that we've seen in a long time at the club. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It looks looks enjoyable. Looks like everyone's having fun. Um, 
fingers crossed the players want to be there or enjoying it as well. And it was it was nice to see Rikomi sort of welcomed into that environment and, and kick off straight away. You know, he looks good. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, yeah, be it'll be really interesting. I mean, some of the clips of him are he's he's got a great pass. He's he looks really incisive as an attacking midfield player. Um, and you know, we've sort of struggled without Stanislas or Brooks on the pitch. I, I'm not convinced that we've got anyone who can take free kicks that will score goals for us mm-hmm. at the moment. So um, maybe he's one of those two. So the league table then, but with a third at the moment, uh, how much are you worrying or reading into the very good form of Bristol City and Reading at the moment, who've got four out of four? Are those two teams that worry you? Well, yesterday, Reading had a tough test against Watford. And um, from what I read, saw about the game, they were fortunate to come away with the win. Um, Watford were kind of undone by not having anyone who could finish. So, um, not sure about Reading, how good they are. I mean, it's a great result to beat Watford because they're a quality side. We know what they're all about. But, yeah, I think with better better finishing, Watford could have got a point or maybe won that. You know, it was against the run of play, Reading's goal from what I could see. Uh, Bristol City uh, went 2-0 up and that was no surprise. But then Forrest came back at them and actually Forrest... Should have got a draw in that game. So up until that point, Forrest had been kind of like one of the whipping boys in the division. So not quite sure. Uh, the interesting thing about Bristol City is their manager seems to enjoy a pint with the fans, from what I can see. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, good community spirit. And we played them in three weeks' time at home, I believe. So, again, that's a fixture I am very much looking forward to as a sort of sense of where we are. And finally, you, we mentioned Watford briefly whilst talking about uh, Reading. Norwich, uh, they're the team that I was most worried about, but they don't seem to be taken to championship life that well by the looks of it. No, they they seem to lack a little bit of creativity in midfield. I mean, they lacked it against us. They never, they never really looked like they were going to score against us. Um the brightest player, it seems, is Hernandez, um, who um, can't do it all on his own from where he plays. So I think they're going to struggle. I mean, Derby, again, we're, on the, we're playing them on the back of three defeats. Uh, they had some some old geezer who scored a free kick for them to win that yeah. match, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, who obviously can still do that kind of thing because he's, he's a class player, but... Uh, and then they've got another um, classy winger waiting in the wings, haven't they? So that'll be interesting to see how he gets on as well. But the main thing is we're third and it's a position that I think many of us would have taken. I still feel a bit hard done by after that Borough result. I think, you know, we should have been more uh, yeah. clinical and we, you know, we probably should have got a result. But look, there's a long way to go. New manager, learning a new system. Not everyone's fit. There are a lot of positives to come. And, uh, yeah, Queen's Park Rangers next, and who knows how that's going to go. But all all things look positive. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for your input today. Uh, thank you. It's nice to, nice to talk with a smile, isn't it? So brilliant to have Jeff on and 
Here's one that I've not mentioned before, actually. If you want to follow Jeff on Twitter, do it. It's at Jeff Wildwood. All one word, Jeff Wildwood. And I'm sure that you can keep up to date with his AFC Bournemouth-related content. You might need to on Twitter and keep up with us with YouTube because we're having a bit of a chillax. Two weeks break now for AFC Bournemouth. I think we deserve one. But it's a chance to recuperate, reflect and hopefully return all guns blazing against the Rangers in 14 days. So in terms of a QPR preview, of course, it's a little bit too early. The international break hasn't yet happened and, well, anything can happen. We don't know who's going to be at the club. We don't know who's going to get injured on international duty. Hopefully, hopefully that won't happen. Josh King, will he be in action or will he still have a migraine? Nobody knows. David Brooks, Chris Meppham, will they be involved? All will be revealed. But either way, we're going to be doing our YouTube preview a couple of days before the game on our YouTube channel. Now, in terms of do you remember, it was a tough one. Name our last signing that we made that had an alliterative name. Okay, we think it's Mark Mosley. Is that correct? Let us know. There are some people who've been saying Benji Bouchel, but he didn't play for the first team, so we're not really going to accept him. Sam Surridge not included, but after the signing of Rodrigo Riquelme, it kind of got our our brain whirring a little bit as to the last player who we signed that had an alliterative surname, and we think it's Mark Mosley. If you know any different, let us know. Anyway... We cannot wait for football to be back, but we're looking forward to the break as well. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. As Gosling wins it back in the Cherries midfield, and now opportunities again for Bournemouth. Gosling goes himself. Oh, it's another cracker! Dan Gosling again! Second of the game and the best of the lot so far. A 25-yard strike on the hour puts the Cherries into clear water here against the Sky Blues. 3-1 up. Podcast Network.